Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. Over 50,000 people have listened to Mark's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you take a time out and really reflect on your business. Not only do I take what I think are some really relevant topics and issues and just kind of thought-provoking things for you to be focused on, but I also bring on different thought leaders, industry experts to give you some of those insights in the remodeling business that will really help you be more successful. Hey, special thanks to many of the folks that really support this. Certainly my friends that produce it at Surefire Local, digital marketing experts, really encourage you to reach out to them. And if you'd like to get a copy of one of my books, they certainly are happy to provide you with that. Also, uh, NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, I've always been a big, big proponent that don't be out there on islands by yourself. The NARI community and certainly organization is a great way for you to stay connected, have an ear to the ground, and also be able to kind of learn what's going on. And certainly my friends, a professional remodeler who really are this source of amazing insights and knowledge that certainly help to complement anything certainly you hear here and really much more. So today I want to be talking about, in my opening segment here, before we get into our thought leader interview, I want to talk about a subject that I think is really critical for everyone to be kind of reflecting on. And that's the whole theme of to try to keep it simple. Now this, needless to say, is simpler even than what the words imply. But if you kind of sit back and you say, okay, what's going on? I actually touch many, many different remodelers out there. And the one thing I will say is they make their world, their lives more complicated than it needs to be. Now, simple does not mean easy. Simple means simple. Simple is a way to look at things. Simple is a way to process things. And simple is a way to act on things. So as you think about why are things so complicated, Well, number one, I think the proliferation of just stuff, be it product and all this information out there is bigger than ever. Your your brains are filled with more things than they ever have been before. Certainly, the political and market environment is a little bit more crazy than it's ever been. I think that causes a level of complication and angst on everybody's part. You know, also, the consumer and your buyer is processing things differently than they have before how they're going about researching uh, and how they're going about finding the right relationships and, and what they're expecting in the process is really very different before. You know, I think there's those companies out there today that really try to boil things down and make it simple are the ones that really are winning. So like I said, you know, while I think things are very complicated out there in the remodeling industry, I continue to think this is one of the greatest vocations and certainly businesses to be in. You know, if you really think about the product that you're able to do is a very interesting kind of intriguing product. You certainly have a chance to work with some really great people, great people from both production as well as sales and marketing. 
And then not the least of which is the joy that you create in clients' lives. And I think that joy is makes kind of ties a bow around the package that really makes this a great business to get into. So what I want to do is I want to spend some time really talking about how can you start to simplify rather than have things more complicated. Now, many years ago, I started with all the variables starting to come together. I started to practice what I call more of a power of three type of system. And a power of three, what it really does for you, it helps your thinking process. If you can boil everything down into three kind of key components, then it allows you to be able to juggle or spin those three and really put the majority of your energy there. And then more times than not, all those other things that will fall into place. But if you can get the three top priorities, the three goals, whatever those happens to be uh, in place, then you can stay on track much better. So let's just talk some applications, I think, or examples of the top three. So uh, you might say to yourself, you know, what are my top three goals for 2020? Uh, For some people, it might be you just want to be in the black. You just want to make some money. Okay, that's one of your top three. Number two might be I want to keep my team. I've got a pretty good team. I don't want to keep them in place. And number three, I might want to make sure the phone continues to ring. So I'm investing the right amount of energy into marketing so that then will peel off into 2021. So if you really think those are your top three kind of goals, now you can start to unpack those. Now you can start to quantify those and measure those goals and really tells you where you need to be spending your time and energy. Uh, Another example of the, the power of three is what are your top three priorities? Now, again, very similar. Goals and priorities are two different things. Priorities oftentimes are what you need to do to remove obstacles out of the way so that you can focus on what those goals are. For example, your top three goals moving forward in the latter part of this year and into next year might be getting team alignment. Maybe if you get your team aligned on what the vision and what the goals are, then that might be a top priority because you've got a strong team that can accomplish things. Another top priority might be to get the other monkeys off of your back, those headaches, those monkeys, those distractions off of your back so that you can focus on the right thing. And then also you might want to be investing more time, energy, and calories into marketing. They might be your top three priorities. Whatever those priorities are, you need to spend the time and energy really thinking about what are those top three. So other examples of ways to simplify, you also might want to simplify who your clients and ideal projects are. Now, I oftentimes, when I think about clients and think about projects, I like to think about a shooting target. And within that target, you have these circles, but in the center, you have a bullseye. So. If you can focus on what clients are in that bullseye and what projects are in that bullseye, then the likelihood for you to make sure everybody is bringing those into the business and producing those projects for those clients, you're going to see a lot better results and certainly more profitability. So by articulating what those top three characteristics are for clients and top three characteristics are for projects. With projects, it might be partially a geography, might be a project type. Uh, It might also be interior versus exterior. 
It also could be a project size. Most companies are very good at certain size projects and not so good, quite frankly, are projects that are much bigger or much smaller. Similarly, you know, what is the client demographic? You know, is it a, a client demographic with certain kind of profession? Is it a client that's more of a controlling type of client that you just respond or more of a client that acquiesces to your advice and your direction? It might be also a client that's in certain particular areas that you do very, very well with. Number four, uh, as you think about this simplification, is think about your people in the same way. You know, who are your top three players on your team? Who are your t uh, three weakest players? And on those top three players, then what you want to do is really focus on how do you help to take their game to the next level, make sure that you retain them, and then similarly, how do you either fix or eliminate those weaker players? And if you can have that thought process, I think that'll take you game to the next level. Similarly, when it comes to your people, I always like and encourage when I'm coaching different business leaders to think about three critical questions to ask yourself for the right team members. And they're really simple, and I heard these many years ago, and I've used this filter many, many times, and it really helps you to not complicate kind of the drama and the dynamic with individual members, but you can really zero in on the right team members. So number one question is, can they do the job? And that has to do with competency. Are they able to do the job that you have them doing? Are they in that right seat in terms of their competency? The second is, will they do the job? That has to do with attitude and work ethic. You know, it's tough out there, and they have to have the right attitude and work ethic. And the last one is, do they fit? Do they fit your cultures, the value of your company, just overall what you and the business cares about? And by filtering those three simple questions when it comes to your team members, you can determine, quite frankly, what you need to do to either fix them or to eliminate them. Number five is what are the top three areas of the business that really, really need to be strong? I always like kind of the simple three P, people, process, and product. And if you can focus on those three Ps and really come up with a game plan, what do I need to do to strengthen and improve, eliminate people? What do I need to do to fix certain processes? What are those moments of truth, so to speak, in the overall process that needs to be addressed? And then what are the products that I need to focus on and make sure that project and that project product is really world-class with my client? Number six is what are three operational elements of the business that need to be humming? It's almost like a factory that need to be humming to make sure that you achieve your goals and your interests. The three that I oftentimes, and I was on the call with someone recently the other day, that I find it's almost like plates that they're spinning. In this case, in his business, he had marketing that was hitting it. He had sales that was landing the planes and making it happen. And he had the production team that was doing what they needed to do. And as a result of that, he was a happy guy. As a result of that, he was be, being more profitable. His cash flow was increased. Now, when any one of those plates that are spinning or any one of those legs of the stool gets weak, then chances are it's going to pull down the others to kind of overcompensate. So as you think about that, you know, what are those three areas and 
by laser focusing on those three areas and putting the right time and energy into those, you're going to be more successful. So number seven, and my last example that I want to get into, is how do you define and get aligned with your team on a successful project? Now, many years ago, I would have people coming up to me wanting to do high fives because they had a delighted client or happy client letter. Now, that project may have been two weeks over and it may have been over budget, but they at least felt very good that it was very successful. So what we did as a team was we sat down and we said, okay, what is success? How can we all come together and be aligned when it comes to a successful project with a client? And we really came up with three simple things. And I think you can adopt these things or you can come up with your own three. But the bottom line is, is you need simple ways, not complicated ways, to really understand and define success. Number one is the project on time. Now, on time, and I've certainly written a lot about this with time mastery, on time is really critical. It's critical not just in terms of the client experience, but it's also critical to make sure that all the different operational things that you put into effect really work not only with this project, but you're able to get on to the next project. You have an annualized budget of number of projects and number of leads and things that you've got to move through. And just like with a factory, when something's not on time, it causes the whole factory to be out of whack. And when it's out of whack, it's not going to give you the outcome that you want. Number two is on budget. That project has an estimate. What are uh, the actual costs compared to it? You've got to be on budget. Now, I know many, many years ago with some of the companies, and certainly I experienced, it was way off, the actual versus versus the estimate. And by putting a spotlight on that particular area, we were able to get it within 1%, within 1% actuals versus estimate. And that's where the profitability and that's where the success started to roll in. Number three, and certainly not the least, because this is important, is are the clients delighted? You've got to have delighted clients. Those delighted clients can be delighted if, in fact, you can exceed even only slightly their expectations. So by exceeding the expectations, you're going to have more likely delighted clients. And with delighted clients, they're going to create more delighted clients or repeat business that's going to help to keep that flow of the business going. So to summarize, how do you define success? Three things, on time, on budget, and delighted clients. Now, the key, I think, to any of these things is how you go about communicating You've got to rally your team. Don't try to force it down them. Try to make it something more to discuss. And more times than not, they're going to come together. And then it needs to be repeated time and time again until it becomes kind of part of their DNA. So as you can see, this whole little podcast kind of message is all about keeping it simple and ways to use the power of three to be able to do that. You need to remove, I think, the complicated out of things. It's the complicated that really is where you oftentimes fall into the potholes or you see kind of many of the uh, lack of area success. And I think the more that you can keep things simple, the more successful you're going to be. So again, I want to uh, have you stand by here. We're going to have a great thought leader interview. And again, if you want to reach out to my friends at Surefire Local to get a copy of one of my books, How Fit Is Your Business? fit to grow, or time mastery, I encourage you to be able to do that. 
But, you know, these messages and the fact that you're listening to them and hopefully subscribing to this podcast series really, I think, give you, I think, many of the insights, allow you to open up your eyes. But more importantly, I hope at least it forces you to think about your business and not just do the business. So stand by and look forward to continue the call today. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery. But just as much, I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Remodeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that'll be able to help you with your business. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. And with me today is a friend, an individual that not only I think will give you some insight on how to think about your remodeling business, but you know, expanding it a little bit further, uh, he will help to hopefully crack the code on what's happening out there in terms of the digital and the technology and certainly digital marketing world. Uh, my, my friend and certainly guest right now is Chris Morentis. Uh, Chris is the founder and CEO of an organization called Surefire, which in addition to being a leader in the digital marketing kind of world, they also are producers of our podcast, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, so, Chris, thank you certainly for joining me today, and, and uh, why don't we kind of dive into this? So, one of the things I've always found very interesting uh, in talking to different leaders in the industry is a little bit more about them and their story and how they got involved. So, so who's Chris Morentes? Well, it's, it's an interesting story, and you have uh, talked about it before, but, you know, I, I come from a small business household, a contractor household. You know, I woke up every morning with a few guys around my kitchen table, and I'd be in elementary school eating my cereal, and the guys would be talking about what jobs they were going to and what was going on. And I, you know, I noticed my dad was in good moods when there was a lot of jobs to go to, and I noticed his mood slipped a little bit when there wasn't a lot of jobs to go to, and that always stuck with me. You know, I ended up not going into my dad's business. I was always interested in it, but my older brothers kind of got there first. So, you know, I was always an engineer by mindset and training, and and, uh, I went into technical technology and uh, went into advertising and marketing technology specifically, but that always kind of stayed with me. And, um, you know, uh, you know, so that, that, that's sort of uh, like sort of the DNA of uh, you know, my interest with small business owners, you know, but uh, 
I, I started my career in the big agency business in New York City, working for, some, at that time, the biggest agency in the world, Young and Rubicam, and, and then went to several other you know, advertising agencies. And around you know, 1992, 93, there was this thing called the Internet coming along. And uh, I started to become really fascinated with that, with my sort of technology bent. Uh, and, uh, and went to the biggest company I could at that time is a little company called America online down here in Virginia. And at that time it was in this little brick building that we happen to be in today. Um, it ended up building a campus out in Loudoun and, uh, you know, and learned a lot about, you know, sort of this new media world of online at that time, which became the internet. And I spent, you know, eight and a half years, and that was the first internet unicorn. I was a senior vice president there and really, you know, learned a lot and, and had a lot of really interesting perspective about creating what was then the Web 1.0 world. You know, it, it really taking, you know, your catalog or brochure and putting it online with little pictures and things like that. Um, and now you ended up as a result of some of those experiences, obviously, uh, you know, heading down some different technology paths, but you actually ultimately then wrote a book and yeah. why don't you highlight what that book was and why you wrote that book? Yeah, that's, I, I wrote that book after I was, um, after AOL, I became CEO of two venture backed companies. One of the first web 2.0 companies this company called Add This, which we sold to Oracle. And that was really around this new web of, you know, enabling movable content, you know, where, you know, and, and dynamic content where uh, you could do crowdsourcing of data, things like reviews, you know, it enabled things like Facebook and, and you know, dynamic websites and all these other things. And in that, I learned how search and discovery was going to completely change the internet game. And then I went to another company called 40s One, which is around geospatial intelligence, actually funded by the CIA. And, um, and that was around, uh, you know, around learning how important geoproximity signals were going to start to become in search and discovery. And I put those two things together. And I kind of went back to my dad's, you know, sort of business. And I said, holy mackerel, Local marketing is going to change completely, and no longer does a business owner have to sort of, you know, hand over a bunch of money and pray it works. They could actually take more control over their business presence and lead generation if they just knew a few things. So I wrote a book called Surefire Social, probably being a little bit too cute on the name of how all marketing was becoming around a dialogue and around content and around, you know, understanding your customer and, uh, and started giving speeches around the country uh, when I wrote that book. Excellent. So, you know, I think uh, as we certainly discussed and I've certainly experienced as I bounce around and talk to different remodeling companies, especially, uh, you know, ones that are focused big and small, Oftentimes, there's a lot of confusion in this space. There's a lot of mystery of this stuff that has been, you know, historically a very high-touch, personal referral, you know, talk to your neighbor kind of business that, that's changed. Talk about how that has changed. People, under, people see the change, I think, Chris, 
but they don't necessarily understand it. Help us understand it. Yeah. Um, technology, you know, I've been in media and marketing and technology for 30 years, and it's probably changing faster now than at any time in, in my life. Um, and it's really the proliferation of, you know, of the different channels that you have to be able to, you know, talk to customers about your business. And, and by the way, where customers expect to be able to find you if you're, you know, if you're a reputable company, you know, um, you know, there, there's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy because there's, there's this consolidation of Google and Facebook, you know, and, you know, and a few others, you know, kind of platforms, large platforms. But if you look at all these other channels, like everything from House to, to, you know, Home Advisor to Yelp to reviews, you know, to your website, you know, they all, um, you know, are, are available in, in, in Google. So even though Google is where people start, it's not where they end, you know, their search. And the more places that you become available and seen and, you're, and, and they, 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 their expectations of how you are represented, you know, uh, uh, meet you know, sort of what their own criteria is around what they're looking for, but also, you know, they're going to compare you to other competitors. How, you know, how many different places they see you versus competitors? What's the star rating, you know, on you? What, how many reviews do you have? Um, what, what pictures do you have that represents the kind of things they want to do? So, you know, this change is really around you know, three principles that are really, really important to a business. Number one is, you know, uh, recency of, you know, content. You know, the content is broad. It could be a podcast like this. It could be a picture. It could be a new promotion. It could be a new review. But recency of that content across all these different places that customers expect to find you in. You know, the other is, you know, proximity signals. So, you know, um, most, you know, search engines, you know, and that's you know, search engine broadly like, like Google, or it could be Yelp's internal algorithm or home advisors or, or uh, houses or Bing, you know, or Facebook, right? They all have, you know, sort of ways to determine you know, what your service area is based on, you know, data that you make available across all these places. So uh, th those proximity signals are going to matter, you know, and then relevancy, you know, um, you know, so you might be a, 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 a you know, a, a full service remodeler that does, you know, kitchens and baths and, and, you know, sign, you know, different types of things. And, you know, if you don't, you know, do a good job making sure that that data is available in all those different places, you won't come up in those search results for those places either. So, you know, having a consistent, you know, approach to those three things in those different channels 
are really what the game is about today. And it's confusing because you never know, you know what channels sort of you know, gaining, what channels not gaining, new channels that come on, you know, and they all are constantly changing their algorithm and what's important, you know, so just keeping up with those things become a little bit overwhelming. You know, one of the things that you highlighted, Chris, that maybe you can expand on that was an aha for me when, you know, John Ferraro with Google was doing a talk at the Extreme Sales Summit a couple of years ago, and he highlighted that, you know, that homeowners today put more value in an online review than a personal referral. And when you think about that, you know, personal referrals have been kind of the lifeblood of the remodeling business. And all of a sudden, when you're told that it's more important to have online reviews, and, you know, the reality is online reviews are something that is a mystery. You know, how do I get people to put an online review? How do I get some traction with that? What do I do with some of the negative reviews? Because there's going to be any advice that you might have uh, for the listeners of trying to improve that online review presence or be a little bit even more educated on it. Yeah. um, Reviews are really the currency for visibility today. Because when you think about those three principles, Every time a a customer leaves a new review, it's recent, it's creating a proximity signal because it knows the zip code that that review is coming from and the proximity of of that zip code. And it's relevant because, you know, it's talking about a job you did for them. So it's really, you know, it hits on all three of those, those metrics. And, you know, online reviews versus personal referral, I've never, I haven't heard that particular stat before, I believe it, if they, they might have some studies that show that. But what I would say is online reviews give you a lot more leverage in the principle of personal referrals. Right. Because a personal referral, how many people would really give personal? It's, they're great and it's gold and it's a way a lot of people built their business in the past. But online reviews allow you to take that principle and create a ton of leverage and reach a lot more people with that. And, um, you know, and you know, there's a lot of different, you know, review platforms and different principles about reviews, right? You know, there's first-party reviews, which is a review that you request from a customer. And you take that review, and then that review goes on to your website, right? That's a first-party review. The key to putting leverage on that first-party review is wrapping it in code in the it's called schema in the in the lingo of technologists, right? That code is readable by Google. It's sort of approved by Google and they expect that. So that review is likely to be pulled in by Google My Business and go on to Google My Business or at least the star rating, add to your star rating on Google My Business. So it serves a purpose of being fresh content on your website. And also, it adds to stars on Google My Business, which kind of has a lot of pin action around that because Google My Business is sort of a, a centerpiece of a, local, of a local business presence these days. It's really the heartbeat because Google is so important in search, right? But also, if you're going to do paid search in Google, those star ratings become really important for you know, bid optimization and showing customers star ratings and all those other things. 
So first party reviews done the right way with schema are really important because then other places besides Google My Business pick those up as well. Then there's something called third party reviews where someone leaves a review for you on Google My Business directly or Yelp or Home Advisor or uh, you know, house or you know, whatever you know, that might be, local.com. There's literally tons of different review platforms. And my advice is always to pick, you know, two or three, you know, that really drive the business. And, and you know, I would say certainly top two should be Google My Business and, um, uh, and, and, uh, and Facebook. And then next after that, depending on the market you're in, Yelp. You know, would be would be one. Maybe Home Advisor might be one. Maybe House might be one. But you know, in certain markets, Yelp. You know, a lot of people don't like Yelp, but in certain markets, Yelp plays a big role in search and discovery. And you just got to know if you're in that market. Right. But getting soliciting third-party reviews, and you want to probably you know want to create sort of a, a a system where you're asking. For some kind of percentage, like 50% of my reviews I'm going to ask for is going to be for my first-party reviews. Then I'm going to do 25% for Google My Business directly and 25% on Facebook. Or you're, going to, you're going to want to create a strategy for yourself, and then you're going to want to ask for reviews and make it easy for customers to give you reviews, whether it be through automation you know, with a, a review platform you know, or handing them a card when you finish the job and giving them the, you know, where to find you, you know, or, you know, whatever that might be. Well, let's, let, let, let's kind of shift gears slightly here and talk about another topic that you brought up and that I, I'm kind of finding fascinating because, you know, with most remodeling companies and remodeling leaders and even, quite frankly, marketing directors, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. And one of the misconceptions, I think, is that, you know, okay, as long as I get searched, then I'm going to be up towards the top of the search or as they're looking for me, you know, I'll show up at the top. But one of the things that, you know, we're seeing changing quite a bit is this whole difference between organic kind of searches versus paid searches. And maybe you can touch on What's going on out there, Chris? Because that's an important thing to not end up on the, you know, the sixth page and get stuck way behind everything out because you're behind the curve on this. Yeah, there's a huge changes going on with that. And, um, you know, sort of the, the headline is paid search, particularly in places like Google, is starting to cram down organic search results on the search engine results page. Um, you know, uh, you know, even this And the reality is people are so time starved, they're not gonna wanna go to page five or page six to ultimately find that little diamond in the rough company, i.e. the remodelers that listen to this, you better be up in the front of the line, otherwise you may be missed. And on mobile, it's even harder. On mo think of a small screen on mobile, and the way that screen works, you know, so, uh, you, know, go, you know, Google now has taken what used to be, you know, ad inventory along side and the top, um, and then they added the, the three-pack, and then, you know, so then you had the ads on the top, ads on the side, the local three-pack, and then the top 10 organic search results. Now, um, 
you know, there's a there's this whole theme that everyone's going towards. And and you're going to see Amazon starting to become a big search engine. Um, Facebook, you're really looking. You know, they have a lot of their own issues they're trying to resolve right now, but they're really trying to become search. It's this idea of transactional search. Google just launched um, uh, local search LSAs, local search ads, where um, it's a pay per lead model. They're disrupting the entire search world. Um, they're rolling it out in different verticals, and home improvement is one of those verticals. And in HVAC now, in um, in uh, uh, in roofing, uh, plumbing, um, uh, I believe there's uh, some verticals, uh, locksmiths, uh, but they're going to start to proliferate that out, and they go right at the very top. So they're pushing down now. You see, now you have local search ads, you have paid ads, then you have the the, the local pack, the three pack. So those organic searches are going to be pushed down more and more. Doesn't mean organic search isn't still something you want to go for that's important, right? But it's going to be more uh, visible in long tail type searches and question type searches. That'll be important for voice. Vo voice is the other thing. That's yeah, talk to us a little bit about voice because I'm fascinated with that. And it's come to your earlier point. You've never seen the technology happening faster in terms of the changes. And, you know, most people in their home, whether it's through Amazon or whether it's through Apple or whether it's through Google, you know, they have devices and they get more and more connected and they're doing everything with voice. What's the impact of voice on kind of this whole formula? The impact right now is probably truthfully not that huge, but I think between now and five years from now, I think five years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to talk about how quaint it was that we used to type into this box you know, questions or keywords to try to look for things. Um, you know, there, there's still a lot to be sort of evolved in this voice search and complementing voice search in the home with, you know, results that show up on your TV or on a small you know, small device that's next to your your, your Google Home or your Alexa, you know, or your, you know, whatever, you know, Siri device, whatever that might be. But there's a, an acceleration of the pace of change in voice search is going to completely change that game. And making sure that you are set up now for being wired into the voice search results is really, really key. Um, because just like a traditional search was people who got ahead of the game in SEO and we're building up content and building up authority, you know, one, the same thing's going to happen in this, in this new world. And really it gets back to, you know, and I don't want to you know, try to keep me from getting overly you know, geeky here. Right. But this idea of, you know, of, uh, of how to be found is the same in voice as it is now in, in all these other, you know, um, you know, text-based, you know, visual-based search results, right? When the difference between Web 1 and Web, Web, Web 1.0 and Web 2.0, right, is the number of pages exploded to billions and billions of pages. The only way search engines could keep up with that is by um, creating ways to identify structured data on pages 
so that they could easily ping pages and know what they're about, catalog them, and make them work. In voice search, that's becoming even more important. So being able to have technology for your business where you're able to take all the data around your business and make that structured in a way that's easier, kind of like I, I talked about with reviews. That's a way of creating structured data for reviews. But you could do that structured data around name, address, phone number, promotions, you know, your people, you know, all kinds of things, the kind of jobs that you do. All that structured data is what's going to make you relevant as the search you know, continues to change and evolve. And that's key to your business. So, Chris, let's move a little bit more towards a summary because this is clear that there's so much depth to this topic that, you know, we're, we're, we're trying in many ways to kind of feed you with the kind of a fire hose, so to speak. And it's very easy to get kind of overwhelmed by not only this new language, but the depth of these kind of the, the complexity of the technologies. Let's kind of dumb it down, if we can, in, in summarizing. And I'd like you to give kind of maybe, you know, one or two, you know, bits of advice that you would have for that remodeler, roofer, HVAC contractor who's whatever the one, two, three million dollar fella out there that, you know, says, you know, I get it. I get everything you're saying, but, you know, what do I do next? Should, you know, where's that, you know, that hotline I should call? What, what do I do next in terms of just some baby steps to kind of raise the, my acumen and bar on this subject? What would you recommend based on the fact that you clearly have the depth of knowledge, but let's simplify it? Yeah. Job, Two or three things. Job one is, you know, be mobile ready. With okay, mobile ready. That, that means have a, you know, have a website that is mobile first, not mobile second, mobile first. Excellent advice. Meaning, you know, speed scores, meaning, you know, all that structured data, you know, any, any new publishing platform, WordPress, whatever it is, Excellent. should have that easily available for you to do that. So if you're getting a, someone to build you a new website, if your website's more than a year and a half, two years old, chances are you should probably update on modern technology. Okay, so mobile first, yeah. great so mobile advice. First. What's number two? Number two is take that same you know, information about your company you know, make it, and then make that consistent across all the places that your company is gonna be visible in meaning all the directory listings that you're going to, you know, everything from yp.com and local.com to Google My right. Business and all those things. Make and it consistent, number two. Also in, also in social media and your profiles, make that consistent. So they hook yeah. together, all, right? So they, all, so they all tell the same story Got about it. what your business is about. And then number three would be, you know, Add, add something new, whether it be reviews, like we right. talked about, great way to add new content to those, to those things. Keep um, it relevant, in other keep words. It, keep yeah, it fresh. And, every, it does, you know, and it doesn't have to – people feel overwhelmed by these things because they're like, oh, my gosh, how do I keep it? You know what? Start out with doing two new reviews a month. Right. Because you know? if you do that, you're probably doing more than 90% truthfully of all the other 
you know, guys that you're competing with in your space. Don't get overwhelmed. Start small. You know, add a picture of a job that you're proud of. You probably take pictures of those jobs anyway. Just add a picture either on your website or on social media site or in those directories. Just do something to keep it recent, add those proximity signals, and make it relevant. Excellent. And I want to thank Chris Morentis again, CEO of Surefire, for joining us today. And, you know, to add to this, because I think like many of you listening to this, I come from a world that has, you know, a lot of calluses and scars and bruises in terms of the doing of the remodeling rather than these changes in technologies. And I, I would strongly encourage, you know, starting with just investing some time, time, maybe it's one hour, two hours a week. Also, don't feel like you're alone out there. Certainly reach back to our friends here at Surefire. They'll be glad to try to give you some insights and help in terms of starting that dialogue. Go back to your, 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 your uh, digital marketing group if you work with someone right now and really challenge them to not challenge them necessarily to be generating all the leads for you, but challenge them to also to educate you. And are they really as current as you think they are in terms of helping you? So thank you again, Chris, for joining me today. And uh, we look forward to talking to you all real soon. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available in all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.